So we have died. We don't have to. We are already dead. Wow. Go ahead. All right. I just love the way that was. And it's. Yeah. But and here we are. We. I just had my. You know. I. I brought this down. And I usually don't bring it down. And I usually don't preach out of it. But I. It's my Greek lexicon. You know. And with all, all the all the different Greek words in the Koine. And I just happened to be looking at some words where God was counseling me personally. And one of them was the Greek word eletheria, you know, and all these words that, that go with freedom. We've been free, completely free. And that's what that Romans 6, really, that 1 through 11 is bringing out. Something happened, past tense. Okay, so past tense, what did I have to do with it? No, nothing. It was his work that did it. Yeah, I'm gonna I could I could do away with myself, right? Yeah. And that's why conviction's so important. Conviction. Because that is God. That's God. That's his love instructing me, because I can't do it myself. I just can't do it, you know. So I was looking at these words, you know, simple words, you know. And we're, <clears throat> what are we dead to? We're dead to nomos. The Greek word is nomos, which is the law. What? Just the Ten Commandments? No. The law of sin and death. It's over for us. God Almighty. You know, I tell you, I just, you know, <laughs> boy, I'll tell you, it's so amazing. Really, it is. You know, so we're no longer under the law, and the law is. Yeah, that has to do with Romans 8 1. There is therefore no condemnation. So so it was just the, the Ten Commandments in Exodus 23 to 17 that brought me under condemnation? No, it was that stupid sin nature trying to function under the law. Because the law itself in Romans 7 12 is holy, just, and good. Amen. Amen. So, so try and live on to that little bit. When Christ not only dealt with that and did away with it, Romans 10, 4, Christ, the end of the law, for righteousness to them that believe. And believing for us simply means constantly receiving what's already been done. That's it. God, it's so amazing, you know. So, so you know, so there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ, period. The rest, again, is not in the original Koine Greek in any Manuscripts or anything that I've studied over the years, it's not in any at all. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from what? The Ten Commandments? No, the law of sin and death. <laughs> oh, man. So, what, so for what the law could not do, it could not do. You know, and we have a we have a greater and a better hope. And hope there, you know, when we talk about the hope, the hope that Christ is in us in Colossians 1.27, the hope there is Hebrews 7.19. The law made nothing complete, but the bringing in of a better hope did by the which will, notice it's his will who fulfilled it, we draw near to God. How? Through Christ. Yeah, it's amazing. 
So I wanted to hear you, and then you got me going and got me all excited. <laughs> so it's your fault, Mike. So go ahead and finish, please. I, uh, Yeah, so where's Romans 7? That's our character, and character is our present, real, unchangeable image in Christ. It's just simple. But yeah, no, I just. And really what it says is this. You don't have to. And that's what makes the will so imperative to submit. And then try and figure it out. Well, let me try and figure it out first. Yeah, in the flesh? No, submit in instantly. I'm thinking these crazy thoughts. Are they of God? Hold, stop and think. Are they of God? No. Well, okay then. Okay. So what is God's full thought? It's Christ. Is he in you? Yeah. So you in him? Yeah. So what are you doing? So you go back, you have to go back to the flesh to allow the law of law to condemn you. Yes. <coughs> Ridiculous. Ridiculous. So, you know, when you said that too, the two things I think, you just see how God, the Holy Spirit, how he did all of this. Because when we talk about <coughs> 1 John, and when we talk about the gospel of John and his three epistles, He's t telling us what's ours, and, and, and he's telling us what's ours as we walk on this earth, while Paul is telling, giving us all this heavenly truth. Yes. So one deals with the earth. And that's why, like the hyper-dispensationalists, no, it's all Paul, it's just that, excuse me. You mean Hebrews is not for us? No, Hebrews is not for us, Really? Were those Christians? Hebrew? Were they Christian? Yeah. Oh, well, okay. So now they're severed from the body? Ridiculous. But 
One deals with the glory of Christ while he walked on the earth. That's John. Paul, the heavenly Christ. And so that's what brings out our two comforters. The two what? Two comforters. Yes. That's what Jesus said in John 14, 16. He said, I'm going to give you another comforter. Because he was going to heaven to comfort us, right? Because he would rightly, in his intercession, interpret for us. And then God, the Holy Spirit, down here on the earth, <laughs> does it for us. That's so... Holy Spirit is Romans 8, 26. The Holy Spirit, he'll take our prayers, but we can only groan because it so far surpasses us, but not God, not him. So he intercedes for us on the earth while we're on the earth, and then Christ intercedes for us in the heavens. Those are our two comforters. Basically, basically, you are bookend. <laughs> yes. <laughs> gotcha. And boy, I'll tell you. And listen, listen to what it says right after I stopped. Right? And you shared what you shared. You got to do 12 now. Yeah, I know. So that we will not sin and violate God's law, period, right? Yeah. That's in it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So he, so really, when you look at that too, you know, over the years and, and studying this all over the years and growing in it and continually, even right now, <laughs> haven't arrived just yet. And when I see him face to face, he's still going to show me forever. <laughs> Isn't that interesting, right? Yeah. But uh, now I lost my hosting and train of thought. It's easy for me to do these days. But, uh, okay, I, I forgot it already. The intercessor and the advocate. Yeah. Oh, the advocate. Okay, so the, the picture there is this. Here's the picture. And boy, does this go into spiritual warfare. This goes into the accuser of the brethren, Revelation 12, 10. He accuses the brethren, those that are one with Christ. Really, it, it's an accusation against Christ. Does that hold any weight with God? <laughs> does it? No. Where does he try to make the weight be held? In us. Apart from understanding and experience what's ours in our position. So, uh, we have this advocate. So, the, 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 the scene there is in the courtroom of God's justice. Because when you go into a courtroom, justice is going to be manifested. And justice can do two things. Okay? Condemn or bless. That's it. It depends on who you go into that courtroom with. Because at the right hand, all through the scriptures, Revelations 120, Psalm 110, verse 1, scores of scriptures... Christ is seated at the right hand. <laughs> He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He is, he is our retaining lawyer. Yeah. He represents us in the courtroom of God's justice. And who he's on the right side. Who's on the left side? 
the accusing attorney, the accusing one. The prosecutor <laughs> in God's courtroom, right? And so we go in there with Christ before him, and who does he see? He sees the freedom of who his son is in us, and listen, and who we are in him as one, because that's why Hebrews 2.11, okay, he, Hebrews 2.11, both he that sanctifies and them that are sanctified are all of one. Well, who's the one? Christ. Therefore, in Hebrews 2.12, he's not ashamed to call us brethren. But oh, the enemy with those stupid fleshly evil thoughts wants to bring in all kinds of shame. See? And make us to be accountable apart from Christ for what we did and what we didn't do. And that's the accuser. And that's why I love that word, eletheria. And, and I, I, I just love it because it's one who's free. One who's free. And I was studying, and I was looking at those words up yonder. So here it is. And I write, wrote it right here. And I write it in English. This is the Greek. Eletheria. Eleutheria, and this is Eleutheria. This is what Eleutheria is. It's freedom. We have freedom. We are liberated. We have liberty. We have this liberty, right? We have a state of freedom from slavery. Boy, I like that. And boy, how that enemy wants to bring us into bondage in the slavery and make what he thinks about us to be our thought life. Yeah. That's why. Cast down those imaginations, those false reasonings, and every high thing that come from the enemy. You know? Oh, no. <laughs> All these things, right? And so then when you look at that word... Then when you look at the word, there's the, the Greek word and all these elus, like I was saying, it's elotheros. And elotheros is, means this literally in the Greek. It means free. It's the opposite of being enslaved, held in bondage. Now, can the enemy touch my position in Christ? No. Even my, even my sin doesn't touch it. What does he go after? Experience. How does he go after the experience? By making his reasonings to become ours when we don't submit our will to the one thought of God, which is Jesus Christ, we submit it to him. It's so easy to do. So easy to do. So you get all those words. All these words. And that's why, you know, this is why, I mean... My, my favorite language in all the universe is the Koine Greek. <laughs> it just is. Because it is such a picturesque language. It's the most picturesque language that God the Holy Spirit could use. That's why he chose it. That's why he chose it. And so when you see that then, when you see, watch how this works. Okay, so we have this freedom. That's eletheria. We have this freedom. It, we have this state this experience based upon a position, freedom from slavery. 
Now we are free. That's Eleutheros. We are free. We are, we, our life is the opposite of being enslaved. And so now, and this is based upon 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 13. So now we, we can be the Eleutherial. And what that means is I free. What does that mean? That God can use me as a vessel to, with his son in me, the treasure, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, to set others free. you got to be kidding me. You want to talk about the abundant life. So I free, why? Because I'm set free, and now because I'm set free, I can li- he can use me to liberate others. Boy, I'll tell you. And that's all these little, these little, t- these little words here. Man, I tell you. And uh, yeah, interesting how that is. Instead of, and then I'm looking at, and then Holy Spirit starts correlating all these words, right? Like the name, one of the names of Satan is is Abaddon. Abaddon. It's A-B-A-D-D-O-N. And who is he? His name. This name that he is now is called Destroyer. That's his name, Destroyer. He cannot touch our position. So he wants to bring in his lies, his reasonings. Again, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. He wants to bring in his reasonings in our thought life, to destroy a proper experience. That's why in John 10, 10a, the thief comes. How does he come? How can he approach us? Unsubmitted will. Forget God. Make more of myself in the details than Christ himself. The thief comes to what? To steal. Is that position? Never. Is it experience? Yes. The thief comes to steal, to kill, this is all capacity right now, and to destroy, destroyer, right? He's, he's the destroying angel. That's literally what it means. And what is an angel? It's a messenger. I got a message for you, the enemy says. And here's this way of thinking about things. I, because he wants to destroy our experience of an intimacy with Christ because that is God's greatest desire. Why did he give us his son? <laughs> John 3.16. And that's the reason why. And so he, he, he is the destroyer, right? He's the destroyer. He's the destroyer. He has a destroying message, right? And he wants us to an experience to be in a place of destruction. That's all these words here. Abaddon. Or Abaddon. Depending on who you believe how to pronounce it. <laughs> and then, to live, in my experience, in my experience, to be in the test, right? So First Peter 1.7, knowing that the trying, which is testing of your faith, the testing of it. Okay, they test gold. You know, back then, and that's what Peter, and the Greek there in 1 Peter 1, 7, is that the goldsmith, the smith, would take the gold and put it in a fire and keep it burning till all the impurities would come to the top. Then he would scrape off all the impurities and he could see a beautiful reflection of who he was. That's 1 Peter 1, 7. 
with these these specific Greek words that it brings in. And so, but but the enemy wants to bring it in. And what do we fail? Can I fail the test of being positioned in Christ? Nope. That done. How about the experience? Yes. And that's a dokimos. Failing to pass the test. So, unapproved and live as a counterfeit. So, I live experientially with counterfeit. It's like, you know, I try and buy my way with counterfeit money. Sooner or later, is that going to catch up to you? You better believe it. They're going to get you. They are going to get you. Right? To pass the test. Unapproved counterfeit. The enemy can accuse you. See? You know what? He gives you all this false reasoning to say, see now? See? Yeah. You're happy. Yeah, right. You have intimacy with Christ. Yeah, right. You believe. No, you don't. Counterfeit. Right? Why? Boy, I tell you. So now, and I'm doing all these correlations here. I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm, what I'm saying is I'm receiving it from God, the Holy Spirit, so that I function. But in Christ, what am I? In my position, am I an adulteress? Am I? No. How about my experience? That's James 4, 1 to 4. That's the lust of the flesh. There's where all that false thinking. And when you live in false thinking and it's not Christ, you've got to do something, use something other than Christ to replace it because you can't handle it. That's what these words bring out. But in Christ, what are we? We are adolos. We are unadulterated. We are pure. And that's the test. And that's the reason for the test. He tests us to bring in the purity of his love, not to condemn us. The condemning voice is the enemy, not Christ. He ne he's going to condemn Christ now seated at his right hand with us in him positionally. No, no. That's all these words. And that's where it's funny. You start talking about freedom. And just before, I know, and it's huge coincidence, and I'm sure of that by now. <laughs> We're talking about all these words here. Oh, but boy, in God's love for us, oh boy, he does not want to forget who he's made us to be. Because after all, it cost him his only son. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Lord God Almighty. We are headed to the most incredible eternity. Is it worth passing through and doing it, suffering righteously? Read First Peter, the third chapter. Come up to the 15th and down through those verses there and you'll see. It is so much better to suffer righteously than in sin. And that brings in, again, the First John 2. It just does. And watch the flow of First John 2. You brought that out tonight, yesterday. Yeah. Watch the... Watch the flow of 1 John 2 all the way. Okay, so what would interrupt that? Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. Because the things that are in the world may not be bad in themselves, but when the enemy allowed you to use those to replace Christ, they're not good. They're no good anymore. And what makes us think, you know, what makes us think that even with the things that he gives us, that we can function with them properly without him. We can't. I can't. I cannot do it. Not for a second. Not for a moment. I can't. You know? 
So you did that with, you talked with Isaac yesterday? Yeah. Yeah. The senior playing football, you know, this whole thing, right? He's now realizing, oh my God, this is his divine opportunity to suffer for Christ in part and only in be able to partake the things of Christ that he wouldn't have been able to partake. Yeah. And so what the enemy means for evil, God means for Yeah. And we talked about the freedom. It's so funny, you know, as you say, we talked about, like, if when he does, we use the example of him being in that court situation with the judge and all this stuff coming to fruition to the final end, and right there, someone steps in for him and takes it all. You know, just takes it all, and the judge says, the judge says, okay, that's, you propitiated, right? Now, now, when that's happening... When that's happening in this spiritual warfare, in the heavenlies, in eternity, in that sense, right? What's happening in time? What is God doing in time? Showing us that reality. Bringing in that very reality. I lost the train of thought on that, too. Oh, anyway, hopefully it'll come back. But anyway, yeah. Oh, boy. So anyway, experience, you know. So, you know, there's... Uh, all right, so you have Daniel 7, verse 25. He speaks great words against the Most High, right? To wear out the saints. <laughs> to wear them out, right? Would we even have a trial if Christ was not in us? So that's the test. The enemy comes in with the accusations... Here is Christ. So now my option is which one? Which one do I choose? And one, one is not doing, it's just receiving what's already been done. The other is this whole process. I get involved in this whole nonsense. Well, if you could bring that back. Anyway. But, uh, yeah, so in the heavens... He, you know, he's he accuses he accuses God before men, and he accuses men before God. That's what his twofold constantly, constant. He's God's opponent and adversary, and guess what? Through receiving Christ, guess now what? He's mine too. He's my opponent and my adversary, and that's why First Peter five seven says, "Cast do it." And when it says in 1 Peter 5, 7, really what it's saying there, when it says, cast all your care, and care is, is your anxiety, your fears and anxieties. Cast it all. And it's once and for all. And what it says in the Greek is, think of every single thing presently, right up to now, that could cause you anxiety. Think of it all and throw it on him. <laughs> cast it. Right? So like when you go fishing and you put the bait on that hook and throw it out, right? Do you go with it? 
that make much sense? None. You cast it on him. So 1 Peter 5, 7, and I believe that Peter, had, through the Holy Spirit, has in mind Psalm 55 and verse 22. Cast your burden upon the Lord. What's the result? He will sustain you. And in that sustaining, that sustenance, and sustenance has to do with the substance of faith dependence, right? He will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be moved. He never allows it. He never allows... Think about that. He... Why is it so important for us to submit to him? He never allows the righteous to be moved. When I function in who he is, his love, which is the light of the scriptures, bring, us, bring, bring out so that we go back into this love-life relationship... Anything ever move God? Anything ever one time move God? Oh, I can't. Oh, that hurt. You know. <laughs> yeah. But he so loved us. You know, we think of John 3, 16. Oh, we know that. Yeah, right. He so loved us that he gave. And that's what love does. That's why we say love is the active energy of God's nature. And boy, when we don't have that through the light of the scriptures... We have no energy. And that's what and, and the lack of energy is spells out depression. That's what depression is. It's a complete lack of energy. Furthermore, most diseases and most alien ailments, and this is the God's honor, you can ask any medical doctor, over like 90% of them are psychosomatic, psycho suki soul soma body. It's how we think. That's how we think affects our, our physical bodies. It is. There's no question about it. No question. No question about it. Oh, boy. Uh, I can do all things through Christ. That strengthens me. That makes me like dynamite, like dunamis, powerful. Zeusia, all these words. Kratos and all, all these different words, powerful. Just, just a, yeah. I can do all things through Christ, which makes me mighty. Why? Because my God will, and he will do it now because he has done it, will supply all your what? Singular need. The one need is Christ. No, I need this thing. I need that thing to make me happy. I need this thing. I gotta go there. I gotta do this. I gotta go that. I gotta go shopping. I gotta go out to eat. I gotta do this. No. No. My God will supply all your need. That's why, you know, in, in Hebrews 13, 5, you know, just be content with such things as you have. Why? Because he said that he would never leave you nor forsake you. Be content. 13, 5 and 6. And then, of course, 13, 8. Jesus Christ the same yesterday. I don't know. Was, your, was he, was he all, your all yesterday? You know, that thing you couldn't overcome that he realized and showed you that he had already over, overcame that in place of you and then gave you the life as your life that overcame it? And that was yesterday? And he's going to change from yesterday to today. How about the, all the yesterdays that he came through for us? And then today's not. What's my thought life? 
And then for all eternity, Jesus Christ is saying, yesterday, today, and for all eternity. Jeez. Oh, boy, I tell you, the depth, you know, the depth of his love. It just, oh, boy. Who has known the mind of Christ that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Will we submit to it? Or am I going to go on thinking all these thoughts? <laughs> oh, boy. And then do all things without murmuring and disputing. Really? And who do we murmur and dispute to before anyone else hears it? Who hears it first? God does. And then that's not enough. I got to get other believers that I trust so I can borrow their ear and throw up in it. And call it fellowship because I have, after all, I trust you. <sighs> we do a lot better by in Proverbs 3 5. Trust in the Lord with your whole mind. Well, you got enough, you got enough of God's thoughts in there? And then talking to me. Trust in the Lord with all your mind. Lab, L-E-B, Lab, Hebrew, mind. Result, you will not lean to your own unsubmitted will in the reasonings of the enemy. You won't lean unto your own understanding. Then in all your ways, no, just some, no, all your ways acknowledge what? Him. And when you do, he'll direct your paths. But when you don't, can he? And paths there, literally, is how to think. That goes into Psalm 16, 6 and 7. Those lines, how to think properly. And never mind even getting into the brain, the little physical brain with a thought life. It literally become channels in the mind of how to think properly. The literal channels in the brain. And that's why so many habits with like drugs and alcohol, pornography, and all these addictive things these attaching addictive things. When I don't go forward, even if I haven't entered into them, all those things become alive in terms of temptation. Just come alive. Because you can't handle it. <laughs> and then I then, oh, that was the other one that I was looking at this morning, too. This is the Greek word ah kratis. Now kratis and that kratos and those particular words in the Greek is it speaks of a tremendous power, ability. That's what that word means. Ah, A is alpha in the Greek, alpha negative. Ah, and that's what that word is, ah, krates, and it means to be impotent. Watch this. Lacking self-control. We, yeah, we have control over us. Our fleshly nature, don't we? Uh, no, we don't. Lacking self-control. And when we are, look at this one. Then in that place, we become inclined to excess. I can't have enough drugs. I can't have enough alcohol. I can't have enough pornography. I can't have enough of all the, I can't shop enough. I can't have enough things in my so-called collections. Why? Be content with such things as you have, for I have said I will never leave you nor forsake you. Furthermore, 
After baptizing the earth with, in water, we see that in Genesis 8 in the ninth chapters, he baptized the earth with water and promised with, with the rainbow that he would never do it again. And that's why we see the 180 of the rainbow dealing with the earth. But soon God's going to deal, not only shake in Hebrews 12, 24 to 29, not only shake earth only, but the heavens. And that's where you see the throne where Christ is seated. In Hebrews 4 and verse 3, it's a circular emerald rainbow. And now he's in control of the heavens and the earth. That will happen. The other half happens when he baptizes the earth in fire, creates the new heavens and the new earth. Isaiah 65, 17, Isaiah 66, 22, and in, in 2 Peter 3, 10 to 13. He baptizes the earth and fought with fire. Meaning this, every material thing goes back to where it came from. Listen, dust. All those possessions and things that we hold on to. Because what is, what's money in our economy? What's money? Well, something's got to back it up because it's just a note, by the way. They made notes back in the day because you couldn't carry around all this gold and silver, these pouches. So they made notes. <laughs> Never mind the American economy. What's really behind those notes? Yeah, boy. It's all going to be burnt up. And only thing that lasts is what we have in Christ based upon who he is. That's it. Period. And what do we usually struggle and worry about? Oh, my word. Terrible. I looked at those words, and as I was doing it this morning, it's the only thing God had me do. I started studying these other things and reading it, and God said, no, go get the lexicon. <laughs> Honest to God. He said, go get the lexicon. I want to talk to you. I'm not exaggerating. I want to talk to you. Listen to me. I want to talk to you. And that's what I did. I went, hmm. And I'm turning to these words, and, you know, and I'm looking at them in the Greek, and I'm writing them in the English, because God's given me that supernatural ability <laughs> that I could do on my own. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I just start going over these words, these four words. And then, lo and behold, the counsel came out of that. Go over and pick that. Yeah, that one. Go get that. Now sit down. Oh, that's a word. And you put it down and went, oh my God, it was actually correlated. <laughs> it was actually tremendous counsel. I didn't know. I was just, oh, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> oh boy, so amazing. It's a good thing he's taping this. Not, you don't tape him anymore. You record it. Look at me. I'm back with the tape cassettes. And even before that, the 8-tracks. I used to have those. The little ones and then the CDs and all of that's no good. Anymore. Oh, well. I tell you what. We're not rich in Christ, are we? We're not rich. We're true riches. That's Colossians 2, 3. The true riches of wisdom and understanding and so forth. A 
and then everything just fell into proper place. When he got a hold of me, everything fell into proper place because I was free to see it as he sees it. Wow. Real? Yeah. You didn't have to strive to make this thing happen. You didn't have to do... What are you doing? No. Interesting. Meep. Got 11 minutes. Meep. Go get my glasses. Julio. I'm going to go get my Julio glasses. My Julios. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Oh, boy. Yeah, like some, like anything else replaces freedom, right? If you have freedom and all of those lust patterns that the enemy will give us these attachments to make them one. And it's not, it's not like we use those things to attach... Uh, attach ourselves. No, the enemy uses those things to attach us to those things. And boy, it takes in tremendous humility and brokenness, Will. The brokenness, Psalm 34, 18, Psalm 51 and verse 17, the sacrifices of God or a broken spirit. That's a broken spirit. Yeah, that's the will. In a contrite heart, mind now. Oh, okay. I really can't do anything without you, not one thing. Just think of how all this fake scholarship and, you know, theologian stuff and all that keeps us, keeps God so limited. Yeah. What do I know? Crying out loud. All this stuff, all this stuff comes out. <laughs> now I just hopefully submit to it. You know, and, that, and, and so it can have a place in me. You know, Christ can have a... Christ can have a place in me. That's Colossians 3 and verse 16. It's oikidomio. Find a home in me to settle down in and be at home. You mean Christ? He wants to be at home in us. Well, yeah, what's the home? What's the home represent? A place of rest, comfort, fellowship, enjoying one another's company. That's that's talking about Colossians 3 and verse 16 let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom and knowledge and understanding then you start speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns boy I put, you want to talk about proper worship with proper music and not this other junk beat crap that gets you going in the flesh and you call it worship yeah right it's called self worship <laughs> yuck Psalms. Set your music. You know the Psalms, they're all set to music and a metric and metrics. Did you know that? Yeah. There were songs that taught. And that's what Job 35, 10, uh, 40, verse 3, 77, verse 6 of the Psalms. He gives us songs in the night. It's not. It's the knowledge of His Word, His presence coming out in songs of worship. Yep. Pretty awesome, right? <laughs>